All right, unpack that for me. So suicide rates in youth have surpassed mortality rates, meaning that the mortality rate for youths is, is higher with suicide than it is for COVID. Oh my gosh. So the the thing is So is, more people are dying of suicide in 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 the youth in the youth than correct. are dying of COVID. Absolutely. Good morning and welcome to the Funday Morning Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Westbrook. Today's show is brought to you by Whiskey Acres Distillery. Whiskey Acres is a true farm-to-glass distillery. They have a vodka, they have a rye, and they have my favorite, a bourbon. But what's exciting is their new bottled-in-bond bourbon is going to be released on October 16th. If you haven't had Whiskey Acres bourbon, or if you've had Whiskey Acres bourbon and you want to try their bottled and bond bourbon, you need to go to wherever you buy your spirits and pick up a bottle of Whiskey Acres. Whether it's the vodka, the rye, the bourbon, or the new bottled and bond, I can guarantee you will not be disappointed. To learn more, go to www.whiskeyacres.com. On today's show, I get to talk to Dr. John Wren. Dr. John, as he prefers to be called, is a chiropractor in the Chicagoland area. We talked about how to boost your immunity. We talked about how to increase longevity of physical strength. And we talked a lot about the coronavirus and how it's impacting the nation and some things we can do to go at this flu season and be in our best health possible. So I enjoy talking to him. I learned a ton about all types of things affecting your body and your health. So ladies and gentlemen, I know you're going to enjoy this. Please welcome Dr. John Rent. Dr. John, what's going on, man? Not much, Robbie. Thanks for having me on here. <laughs> oh, thanks for showing up. I'll tell you, it's always fun um, to have someone in the studio and for those of you listening, um, you know, the way this goes is we, we talk for a little bit of time before we get going in the actual podcast. And I kind of wish I was recording the whole time because <laughs> <laughs> I found out a few things about you and this is a whole nother podcast, but you're a car guy. I'm a car guy. You have a very, very nice vehicle that I, I happen to be a big fan of a nice truck. And so you know, honestly, to the listeners, we've been spending the last, I don't know if we should tell our wives this, but we've we spent the last 45 <laughs> minutes talking about cars and nothing about chiropractic. Absolutely. So. Well, it kind of related, uh, something I didn't share with you. So it's, it's Raptor, it's, but it's named Cairo Raptor. Oh, so there, so there I wasn't going to put you on blast for having like a very, very nice Ford Raptor. Yeah. But now that you said it, and now that it's the Cairo Raptor. Yeah. Is, so it's okay. It's, so how apropos that's, so that makes sense. Um, I am going to take a ride in the Cairo Raptor, probably not today, but soon. Um, and then I got a little hopped up Audi that I'm going to let you drive. Absolutely. That'll be fun. So <laughs> absolutely. All right. So the listeners are like, what the hell? I thought we were talking chiropractic. So I'm excited about talking to you. My wife is a patient. I hope that's not a hip. Is that a HIPAA violation? Hey, I didn't as long say as it. I said. I didn't say it. <laughs> yeah. So my wife is a patient. She swears by you to the point that she's telling me that I have to go too. So you're probably going to have another uh, client here very, very soon 
Um, we'll work out the insurance details after the podcast. There you go. So I got a friend in North Carolina, Mm -hmm. shout out to Andre, Dr. Andre connect, connect chiropractic. Who's a chiropractor. I think I'm chiropractor adjacent. Like I kind of know what you guys do, but I got a lot of questions about what's really going on. Yeah. And, uh, and I've never talked to Dr. Connect, um, in this format. So I'm glad to have you here and talk to you about it. I think that a lot of what you guys do is a little misunderstood by people who don't use chiropractors. Absolutely. I know I have listeners who swear by chiropractic medicine and I have some listeners who've probably never been. So I got some questions. I might have some answers. <laughs> we'll see how this goes. What is that clicker <clears throat> thing, man? <laughs> like so the clicker, the clicker. What you, is that? You know, you know, funny story about that. So, so the activator, um, you know, so I've already called it the wrong name. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's, it's nothing worse than uh, CSI. Uh, okay. I don't, I don't know if you saw this. This was probably four years ago. CSI did this, this episode and, uh, I'm, I'm not kidding you. It was, it was so funny cause I didn't know about it, but the killer, he was a chiropractor, uh, which awesome, you know, great. One more thing for our, our, uh, reputation. Yeah, no doubt. But, uh, he was, he was killing his patients by using this activator and he would, it was this crazy looking device that looked, I mean, it was just, it was just barbaric looking in the, in the episode <laughs> and, and, and he, and he'd click it on their neck and it would, you know, disrupt their, you know, their brainstem or what, I don't oh, know what gosh. it was. So I had to watch this episode later on. I'm looking at this thing going, that's terrible. And so I'd had these, I had these new patients coming in and they're looking around all nervous, you know, and, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, you know, finally I stopped and asked one of them. I said, you know, like, do you have questions yet? Where's that activator thing? Oh, uh, they've seen the show. Yeah. And I pull this thing up and they're like, no, no, no. Where's the activator? I'm like, no, this is an activator. And, uh, <laughs> not only is the acting horrible yeah, on those absolutely. shows, the writers are not doing a good job either. Terrible. That is terrible. horrible. <laughs> so... <clears throat> So the activator, what is, I mean, you know, my buddy has a, a practice and, you know, I would be in the, you know, kind of in his office after hours tooling around, we were yeah. to go have a drink or whatever. And I would click this thing, you know, on random places. And I, what does it do? What, what is that? So, so first off, you know, the activator, it's, it's, you know, there's with chiropractic, there's a lot of different techniques. Um, so, you know, just for our office at performance finance sport, we, we use, roughly about 23 different techniques to adjust patients. And it's all based on, you know, the patient, their condition, um, you know, what's going on with them and, and more, more importantly, also their comfort level. Right. Yeah. So, you know, the, uh, one person may love one technique and another person, they just, they're just guarded and you're not going to get a good adjustment if you're not working with the person. Right. Yeah. So the activator is another technique and what it is, is it's, it's a instrument adjusting. Um, you can actually, increase it like the one I've got, it's an activator too. Um, and it's, you can increase it to about 26 pounds of pressure in a square inch. Okay. So it's a great way to, you know, quickly give a very gentle adjustment. You don't hear the pop, the click of the, of the spine or the joint that you're working with. So a lot of people don't like that, that, you know, what's called the cavitation or the release of that, you know, that, uh, that, that gas from the joint. Uh, that gives you that pop. So you don't get that, but it's, it's very gentle. So I use it on a lot of, you know, uh, very elderly patient that are osteoporotic. I use it on, you know, patients that are really apprehensive, um, very guarded. Um, you know, we have I've had a couple of cancer patients that their bone density from, you know, chemo and some of the treatments that they've gone through, it's, it's really low. So you gotta be very careful with how you deal with them. Um, kids are very adapted to it. I mean, they, they yeah. love it because it's, it's kind of a fun tool. It looks, you know, pretty futuristic, whatever. And so it's, uh, and it's, and, but it's gentle. And, uh, like when you're adjusting kids, everything's extremely gentle. Uh, we, we see newborns all the way up through. Oh, so wow. it's, 
Um, so you got to have different, like I said, tools in the toolbox to build a house, right? For sure. You can't attack everything with a hammer or, you know, um, you know, a screwdriver. You, you're building a home. Yeah. I, um, I, I, I always played with that thing and it was just so cool. It almost reminded me of like, and for the listeners who've never seen one of these things, like, and, and correct me, please, if, if I <laughs> no, describe this the wrong way, cause I may, but right. you know, those glass break things that people use, like firefighters use to like break windshields out, you know, like, like almost like a punch, you push it down and then it clicks. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of that thing it, a little bit. You know, I can see that actually. <clears throat> so little background of that. Now this is, this is from hearsay from what I, you know, there's a lot of chiropractors that use them that haven't gone through the course or anything like that. So, um, going through the course, you hear it from the old guys, you know, you know, that they're teaching you this stuff and, and from where this thing originated. And apparently like back in the twenties, thirties, uh, a good dentist could, uh, could remove teeth really well. And they were using this, this spring loaded, you know, kind of little punch device yeah, like a, to knock yeah, like a tooth a punch. out. Yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. And uh, so we said, you know, if it, you know, so, you know, back in the day, you know, if it could move a, uh, you know, if it could move a tooth out of your, out of your face like that, I'll bet you it could shift a bone. And so they modified it, put on some extra weight in different areas, you know, and a um, little rubber tip. So it's a little more gentle, right? Yeah. Um, you know, so it's, 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 uh, you know, been modified and sure enough, this thing has been working great. Um, all the way through, put you know a little shout to Doctor Fur, who you know who's really kind of brought on activator techniques. So the, which o- is a whole program. the OG activator user, Doctor Fur. Yeah, you nice. got it. So actually, got to got to hang out with him at one of the conferences. Really nice guy, you know. Cool. Um, you know, he acts like 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 he knows you or you, you've seen him before too. He's like, oh, good to see you again. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I never used your name. It's like, hello, doctor, and you're like, yeah, you don't know me. Yeah, that's but, funny. But I appreciate that. So yeah, good to see you. Yeah, good, good to see, see you again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not good to meet you. Good to right. see you, just in case. Yeah, just in case. Yeah, that's that Hollywood move I see on the on the TV. <laughs> like, oh, it's very nice to see you again or see you because then it's non-committal. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you, you led right into my next question and I'm okay. getting all these, I'm getting all the, the, the small dumb questions out of the way for the, for the novice here. Right. Um, so the pops, you called that cavitation, cavitation. Now I'm going to be honest. Mm-hmm. That's the coolest thing ever. <laughs> like I've been to a chiropractor half a dozen times in my life. Right. When you guys take the neck and you're like, all right, make your head heavy, loosen up, whatever. And then, and yeah. then you do it again. I mean, dude, I don't know if that's a placebo that I'm feeling, but it's almost like a, a short term little boost, like a mm-hmm. little high almost. And like, I really enjoy that. Yeah. So I know what you're doing on all the Kung Fu movies looks like you're breaking somebody's neck. <laughs> right. Um, so what is that doing? What does that noise mean to like the patient? What What's actually happening to make that? You know, this, that's, that's a great question. Cause a lot of people, I mean, they're, they're very apprehensive about that. They see that they think, you know, they might as well just call me Chuck Norris. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, Bruce Lee in the house. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you kind of look like Bruce so, Lee. There you go. Yeah. Right. And, uh, yeah, they, they don't know. They can't see me right now. So <laughs> they're going to be Googling me up. Yeah. After yeah this. It looks just like Bruce Lee. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no. So what, what that is, is, is so certain techniques that we utilize, uh, you know, and I, and I guess that gets into a little bit of what I'm trying to actually accomplish with the patient. Um, so by changing the structure, ultimately like the skeleton, you know, the, the, you know, the spine primarily, we do a lot of extremity adjustments, but whenever you're moving structure to allow for better, um, uh, better position, not only the joint, but also to take or alleviate pressure on, you know, nerves or other structures, um, you know, you get this, this, what's called that cavitation and it's a release of, you know, the gas and the synovial fluid. So the, so the fluid or, or whatever is in the joint. 
Um, it's kind of like what I describe to patients as like, if you boil water, it's like where those bubbles come from, right? It's, yeah. it's hydrogen, oxygen. So, so the same thing. So when we, when we kind of open up the joint a little bit to get it to move, many times you get this release of that, of that gas. Okay. And it makes this little pop sound. Now it's funny. You, you actually hit the nail on the head when you said you kind of get that little, you know, a little high or whatever. Yeah, uh, it's feel. so cool. Right. It's really weird, but it's really fun and, and cool. It doesn't last very long. But it's really cool. Right. And you actually, so primarily, it's it's primarily nitrogen. Um, and what it does is it actually, it actually causes your body to elicit uh, or a release of uh, endorphins and enkephalins right off the bat. Wow. So, you know, so with one of those techniques, a lot of times they'll actually feel that little bit of euphoric, you know, um, shift. And so, and that's, that's that kind of release of what more or less a natural opiate, you know, and so the body feels kind of that release, that relaxed feel. And uh, many times it's, it's, it just immediately feels really good. Um, you know, so it's, uh, but again, it's, it's very gentle and, you know, so it's, if things like a technique like that doesn't work, then, you know, you just, or, or if it's too tight or the body's too guarded, it's not, it's, you know, it's, it's not gonna, it's not gonna move or adjust like it should. Then we go with something else, you know, and an activator, you wouldn't get that cavitation. You wouldn't get that little, that little buzz, if you will. Yeah. So the first time I ever had the the neck adjustment, I was super nervous and I tightened up and it was a, a chiropractor, um, not my buddy, but another chiropractor in my hometown. It hurt mm-hmm. to, to be tight and tense and then have it popped. It hurt. So when I started kind of hanging out with uh, Dr. Connect and, and then I've been to other chiropractors since, I always tell him, I'm like, listen, dude, the first time I had this done, I tensed up and it really kind of hurt. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, it, won't, it shouldn't do that. So now I get the surprise attack. You guys are ninjas, man. <laughs> right. Like, oh, relax. I'm like, oh my God, how'd you do that so fast? And, and and then they can do it again on the other side. And like, so it's almost like the element of surprise is how you get a patient like me because I'm thinking about it coming and I'm feeling it. I'm kind of nervous about it still right. to this day, but it's so cool. Like you guys had, like, I can tell you pound for pound, some of the strongest people I know are chiropractors. Right. You guys popping and manipulating people and moving guys my size around all day, yeah. you got to be in great physical shape to be able to do that, right? I mean... And have incredible disability insurance. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. As most of us don't even get to retirement until we're, until we're done, but yeah. Yeah, so, so you... you so put, it takes a toll on your body as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, doing all these adjustments. Yeah. Wow, I never thought about that angle, but... Well, and that's, that's, that's really, to be honest, why, you know, number one, you know, I've got an associate who adjusts me probably once a week, you know, keeps me going. Uh, and if not, we all, we all typically try and marry chiropractors. So my wife's a chiropractor, um, as we kind of discussed earlier. Yeah, so for it's, sure. Well, we let's talk a little packs. bit We're about like that wolves. story. Yeah. Cause you come from a family ish. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't want to misstate this, but your father was a chiropractor. Correct. Okay. Yep. So tell me about that. What, so you grew up in a family of chiropractic medicine. Yeah. So it's pretty, it, you know, doesn't, it's not a stretch to say that you become a chiropractor. You know, it's, it's. It kind of was, you know, I, I don't think my, I don't think my dad ever, you know, pushed, it wasn't like he wanted or, or, you know, it's not that he didn't want us, but it was like, it was never pressed on like one of you guys should be a chiropractor or anything like that. Like keep on the family thing. Um, it was actually pretty cool. Uh, we grew up with it. Um, I mean, my story kind of in short with it was, uh, you know, we always got adjusted. We were athletes. We were, you know, always playing. We grew up in a, you know, ski town, Steamboat Springs, Colorado, um, so summer, winter, fall, I mean, everywhere you're always active. And, um, so being one of three boys in the family, you know, wrestling, fighting, I mean, there's always something to adjust, right? Yeah, so, for sure. So he got us, uh, he kept us going, um, looking back now, you know, I, I was never, 
never hurt, never, you know, or as far as like injuries, never sick, never, never had any too, too many things going on. You know, I just thought that that was the way things were right. And now looking back, I kind of understand, you know, how those, how that treatment that he, he always took us through, you know, regularly, uh, keeping us in line and everything really kind of helped us, uh, out. But no, I was a business major in college, um, playing soccer, uh, for Westmont college out in California. And, um, I screwed up my back. Um, and he really kind of put me back together, you know, and, uh, it was, it was after, you know, kind of a medicine type of thing failed for the most part. And, yeah. uh, I didn't see any results with that. Uh, so, I mean, that kind of just solidified the picture of what it was. And I thought that was so cool. I didn't know exactly what I was going to do as a business major, right? Just be a businessman. Is that how that works? You no, know? but it, it sounds good <laughs> when you're in college, right? <laughs> so, so, uh, so yeah, actually fast forward, uh, pre-med track, uh, more school. And, you know, now I'm just, it, it's, it's fun to do something on a daily basis that you're extremely passionate about. And, um, yes, it's a job. So yes, there, there's, you know, there's, there's that monetary side of reward, but the biggest reward honestly is, is seeing, you know, families from young kids to, you know, all these, I mean, these people, uh, just enjoying a, a better, higher quality of life. And that is something that's so cool at the end of the day. That is, that is so rewarding. Um, you know, or when they come in and they're just like, mind's blown because of how much better they're doing that, that they've been told that that's just the way life is. Um, yeah. and you change that. I mean, I, you know, I played high school football and uh, baseball and, you know, you almost saw my dog take out my ACL earlier today. <laughs> um, so I've got bad back, bad knees, probably bad wrist, bad ears. I, I mean, everything, when I go to the chiropractor, everything gets popped. <laughs> and, uh, but what's really cool and what I've always really been, been curious about and, and, and liked about chiropractic medicine is that you're not just writing a, a prescription for someone to go take an opioid or even Tylenol for that matter, you're really trying to fix it without masking the issue. And, um, and my God, we now more than ever need something like that in, in this world because the opioid ec epidemic. And if you guys can genuinely relieve pain and make someone more functional, um, whether, you know, they're a grandma that wants to pick up their kids or they're a fireman that has to climb a ladder or an athlete who has to throw a ball, you mm -hmm. know, if you can fix that without drugs, Amen, brother. Let's do it. You know, right. that's an amazing thing. So <clears throat> you guys walk around kind of like, you know, the, the, the fixers, if you will, the, uh, holistic fixers of, of the medical, you know, industry. Mm -hmm. And, and I, you know, that's kind of my perception of it at least. And I just think it's cool that you guys can do things mechanically that affect the physiology of the body. It's really, it's really cool. Yeah. And that's, and then, and that's honestly one of the coolest things that, uh, that you see is that, you know, and that's, I guess why I named the the practice, uh, why we named it performance spine and sport was it wasn't because I only wanted to see athletes, although we do see a lot of athletes, um, from anything from, you know, your entry level to, you know, professional, but I think everybody should have the chance to perform at the ultimate level, you know, like the best their body could do. And so many people aren't at that full potential. And it's really cool to, you know, with a lot of people just unlock that and, you know, allow them to enjoy that higher quality of life, you know, just with anything, with family, kids, whatever their goals are, you know? Yeah, for sure. So well, I've got, uh, like probably every football player in the world, I've got lower back issues. Um, I got a few knee issues from baseball and football and, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm also the same guy who's like, I'm not going to the doctor. I'm not taking your pills. Right. I have other forms of medicine. I like, I prefer, um, you know, and, and I would just rather 
I guess, weight on healing versus take a, a, a pill, especially an opioid, because I don't know, man, I could be one of these statistics where I take three Percocet. The next thing you know, I'm, you know, selling everything I own to buy more pills. You know, I don't want to be that right. person. So I'm almost scared of it. And I would never let my kids take those things. So, you know, if I get an injury, I would way rather see someone like you. I think that's cool. A question I have, is it mm-hmm. considered an alternative medicine? Yeah, I, I think by most it would be, you know, an alternative medicine because when you when you think of I guess medicine, technically it's there's just, no medicine there's involved. No medicine involved, right? Yeah. It's so it falls under like physical medicine, kind of like physical therapy or something. Um but uh but yeah, it is it is an alternative and, and, and it's 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 really cool. And it's and what's fun is is you also see like I guess in the medical field, first off and foremost, I think that you know, there's, there's been all this riff, you know, for years between like the typical medical field and, you know, alternative medicines, especially chiropractic. Um, and I think it's really cool to kind of, you know, see today, you're seeing a lot more of that integrated medicine, um, where I think we've both realized where each other's places. And, and so chiropractic, it's not a, it's not a be all end all, um, you know, we're better than anything else and we offer anything, you know, more than anybody else. But I think it's such a unique niche that everyone could benefit from. And for a lot of the docs in the area to kind of realize that and actually start referring over, you know, patients, um, you know, to, to kind of co-care is just phenomenal. Uh, yeah, that's cool. <clears throat> because we do the same. That hasn't been the case for very long. Mm-hmm. Like 15, 20 years ago, it seemed like there was a bigger rift than there is now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's really cool. So obviously you can't do a heart transplant. Right. Right. So you <laughs> right. need, I mean, we need hospitals. We need Absolutely. those things. Absolutely. But, but you may be able to prevent some things mm-hmm. too, like, you know, getting a new knee versus you, you know, adjusting a knee and making it so that it doesn't need to be replaced in 10 years. Right. Know, that's a real thing that you guys can do. Well, I think that that's, that's important. And, and so we, I think that very uniquely to our field is, is we're very, you know, we're more preventative. I mean, when, when used properly, right, we get a lot of people out of the hole, so to speak. Um, with bad back pain and all this stuff or, or, you know, fixing a lot of the pains to keep them off of opiates like you're talking about. Um, but one of the things that, you know, if chiropractic were used, um, you know, like it should be, it would be preventing people from getting to that point. Um, you know, maintaining that optimal or, you know, that maximum optimum, uh, level of, uh, performance or the ability to function. And that's, that's something kind of unique to our field. I mean, we treat, what's cool is we, we treat, we've got a lot of MDs, surgeons, um, we've got a whole OR staff from one of the hospitals, you know, that basically everyone comes in and they understand where we're, our niche is. But at the same time, I mean, I got, you know, a couple of people that just came in. I had one lady come in and it was just like, there's no getting around. You need a hip replacement. Yeah. I got a guy, you know, here, I'll call him up. I'll, <laughs> I'll hook you up with him. And, and sure enough, a couple months later, I mean, Thanks to modern science, she's coming, she's walking right in with, uh, with, you know, hip that works great. She's jogging in. Yeah. And she's happy and she's pain free more than likely. Absolutely. So let me ask you, and, and I got a few other things I want to talk about. Um, but you know that you just brought something up, um, that that's kind of interesting to me. So this patient had a hip replacement, right? How far in advance would you have had to have gotten a hold of this patient to prevent that hip replacement? Or could you have ever prevented that hip replacement? No, I think that, you know, you definitely could have. Um, not me. It would have been before my life, before my, my uh, you before know, your practice. practice. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we're talking like years, like like a decade or maybe a, a few decades back, she needed to have something. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Or the, the patient. I don't know if he or she, let's yeah. not say. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that, so, <clears throat> but that's, you know, 
for the listeners and for me, and I mean, my wife is a huge proponent of this. I mean, she may be fixing things or adjusting things now that are going to prevent her from having issues long term. So it truly is a preventative maintenance type mm-hmm. um, program. Now, obviously, people get, you know, in car wrecks and, and whiplash and things like that. And that's kind of the stereotypical, hey, the chiropractor is going to fix your whiplash type thing. So right. not trying to put you into that box necessarily, but there's obviously things that happen, you know, uh, injuries that happen and things like that. But, you know, even if you're healthy, I, I think, you know, adding chiropractic medicine to a regimen, is, it seems like a good idea. Yeah. So oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, really, when you think about it, it's, it's, we fall under a category that's very similar to dentistry. Yeah. You know, and what's, what's wild is, is, and I don't know how the dentist did this. This was fantastic, but they, they really, I mean, everyone knows what a dentist is. Everyone sees a dentist and they realize how important it is. So your teeth don't fall out of your head, you know? One of the things I, 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 you know, I stole this from somebody else, but we joke about it at the offices is, you know, you, you know, you probably take better care of your spine if it, if it was on your face, you know? Absolutely. Um, so when you don't see your spine and, and people come in and they threw out, you know, quote unquote, throughout their back and we show them their films or, you know, go over what's going on and they actually see it. They're just like, oh my God, like that's, that's terrible. And, yeah. you know, did that happened last week. I'm like, no, that's been like 20, 30 years of that. And they're like, oh. I didn't know it. it didn't feel bad. Yeah. Out you know? of sight, out of mind. Yeah, for sure. Totally. So, I mean, like just general function, I mean, I mean, just the ability to, let's say move or do work, right. That's, that's kind of like your, um, you know, your functional capacity. Right. And so this kind of goes back to when, when you were talking about just making sure that the grandmother who wants to pick up her grandkids or yeah. the, the fireman who has to climb that ladder. So general function—that's what you mean. That's your definition of yeah. general function. Okay. So yeah. So when you're when you're looking at that, I mean the the ability to 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 work or move, and um, you know, so it's it uh, when we look at that, I mean, most people uh, through through some of the studies and research, it's it's they hit their functional capacity. Now this is sad because you know I'm I'm you know I'm past this, but 23 years old. Oh yeah, we're yeah. all we're yeah. past. <laughs> so old to be 23 again, right? Right. Oh my gosh, and. You know, the thing is, is, is that, um, you know, 23, I mean, when you look at, especially, uh, and, and again, in, in large part because of medicine and everything else too, I mean, look at the, the life expectancy, it's, it's grown. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's way beyond where it's it used to be. It's at least three X, you're 23. Yeah. You know, the average is above uh, almost four times your, you know, your optimal age for mm-hmm. your capacity. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, a lot of the studies that were, that were kind of put together to say, okay, well, where does chiropractic fall in this thing is, is they found that people by the age of 50, uh, they were at, or, you know, 50 years old, they were at 50% of their functional capacity, which is kind of mind blowing realizing, you know, like, I mean, that's not too far for me when you, you know, time just goes faster as, as you get older. But, you know, the thing is, is that, I mean, 50% of what I was able to do at 23 is, is, you know, that's kind of scary. Um, it's, unex- it's unacceptable. <laughs> right. I, I, I don't mean, want that. Right. That's so, ridiculous. So, I, so at 50 years old, mm-hmm. most people are 50% as good physically as they were at 23. Correct. Holy cow. That's scary. That's scary. It's like 11 years right. for me, man. Well, when you think about, and then the next, the next slide down is, you know, at, at 65. Now this is the, this is the average American. So, I mean, you got some of those that are like, what about that dude that ran, you know, that four marathons and he was 70 something. I mean, you yeah. know, how many people are doing that? Right. <clears throat> but, uh, and, and I can guarantee you had a chiropractor. But. <laughs> for sure. You had a chiropractor <laughs> and some PEDs right. and probably some TRT <laughs> and really good genetics and worked as ass off, uh, yeah. you know, to, to, to stay that healthy, but to get there, right? the outliers are there. 
Yeah. But the average American at 60, what'd you say? 65? So 65 is, is they lose 25 more percent. So 50% of the 50. So they're at 25% of their functional capacity at 65 years old. And I mean, for a lot of people, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable like where they're at and the average American, how many medications they're on. You know, there's so many things that play into that. And, um, they've seen that, that chiropractic can, you know, drastic. I mean, obviously depends on how much uh, physical and permanent damage has been done over the years. Um, when they start chiropractic or by the time they get to it or whatever. Um, but chiropractic can maintain, you know, even up to 75% well past the age of 65, which is pretty cool. I'm sure it depends on the patient, the situation, the injuries and the condition, but I walk into the chiropractic office at 50 years old Mm -hmm. and I've lost 50% of my functional abilities. Mm -hmm. How much of that can I get back? You know, it's, 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 it's kind of tough to say. It kind of depends on what's been going on. Um, you know, I've got, uh, I've got one guy, I won't say his name. We'll just call him Bob, right? Bob comes in, he was actually referred in. Uh, this was kind of funny. He, he, you know, a patient of mine was his banker and, and said, you know, Bob, I'm not cashing this check until you go see my chiropractor. I'm tired of seeing you can't move your neck. Right. And, uh, nice work for the banker. Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah, we, <laughs> um, so it was like, he comes in and, uh, he's, you know, he didn't even know, he's like, what's this Cairo, what, whatever, you know, I was told to come over here. So we take a look at him. I mean, the guy, his neck literally was almost fused. Oh. And he's 60 years old. He's not, I mean, we're not talking 70, 80, whatever. I mean, his neck is so degenerative, it's it's almost fused. And I told him, I just said, you know, I don't know how much we're going to get back out of this motion. It looks like the bones are connected. I mean, literally fused. Mm. And uh, within three weeks, we had tripled his range of motion. And he was looking around. And I, I use this all the time. But he he said, uh, you know, half joking, half serious. He said, he's like, Doc, thanks. Look at, look at how much better my neck moves. You know, I got to thank you. I don't have to just put it in a reverse and pray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The backup camera is a big deal for him. Right. Exactly. Oh, that's awesome though. I mean, having the ability to affect someone's life and add that much range of motion. I mean, you can't put a price on that. Right. It's huge. There's no pill that's going to give him that. No. You know what I mean? So I'm so surprised at how many people don't know what a chiropractor does or can do for them. And there's so many people in the world that could benefit that have probably never walked into a chiropractor. And I don't know if it's the x-rays or the popping or, or what it is, or maybe the insurance doesn't cover it. That's one thing I, you know, that I, I find now more than, you know, 20 years ago is insurance is actually stepping up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know my insurance covers it. Um, a lot of my buddies and a lot of people I know their insurance covers it. And that's, that's the other big hurdle, I guess, for people to actually take advantage of, you know, the chiropractic medicine is insurance. Cause let's face it, nothing, when you go to a doctor, nothing's cheap, right? No, no. And if you have some major issues going on and you don't have insurance that'll cover services from a chiropractor, you're probably not going to see a chiropractor. You're probably going to take the, the opioid so that you right. can deal with the pain. Right. Um, a lot more insurance companies are looking at chiropractic medicine as not only a benefit to their patient's quality of life, but a benefit to the bottom line. I mean, if they allow their patients to go to a chiropractor, they may not be paying for all these other hip replacements, you know, 10 years down the road. So back to the preventative thing. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly kind of where we're kind of seeing. Um, in fact, when we were, this was, this probably dates way back when we were looking to come back out here to Illinois, um, you know, 2010, something we were actually looking at, uh, possibly jumping on a, you know, a military base and working out because they were just getting across the thing of every military base in the world, uh, us military base, uh, was needing a chiropractor and, um, makes that, sense. 
Yeah. And it, it, well, they did a cool study and uh, they showed that, you know, the, um, and I can't remember because again, it's been a while, but, um, but they did this study and it, and it not only saved, uh, which was, you know, uh, a lot of this, it was, it was over a billion, you know, whatever that number was, but it was over a billion dollars and it got a lot of these soldiers not only um, back on the the battlefield if, if they if they were able to get back on, but um, it decreased the opioid uh, you know usage of a lot of them, which again goes right into a lot of these vets that you know the suicide rate is is astronomical, it's staggering. It's yeah. sad, and um, <laughs> and it's so to get chiropractic involved with a lot of that, it was cutting that down. It was you know helping a lot of them you know with a lot of the injuries not only that they get on the battlefield but look at the training they go through there's a lot that goes on there so um chiropractic was being used for a lot of that stuff and and so we actually looked at doing that but uh but again that fell through and here we are and um everything has a purpose and I, I love where we're at so you know we kind of got some background on chiropractic a little bit about you you know let's talk a little bit about some of the more topical things like yeah. how and this probably doesn't impact you as much as it impacts a hospital that's dealing with more of these patients, but how's the coronavirus impacted not only your practice, your life, but chiropractic medicine in general? You know, um, I think that it's, it's, it's almost given us a little bit more of a shout out, uh, to the world in, in so many ways. Um, so kind of background with, with us as we went through this, um, cause it, it was, it was kind of a weird situation where we didn't know exactly what was going on. I mean, this is, I mean, how many, how many people, you know, in the, in the business world have gone through a pandemic where there was a shutdown of everything, right? None, um, right. None alive in business right now. Yeah. And we, <laughs> we were honestly, you know, waiting, you know, we were waiting to hear from the state, uh, as far as like, you know, are we, are we having to shut down, um, you know, were we on the, uh, you know, the list of, you know, businesses could stay open, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, it came out that we could stay on. And, and one of the big, one of the big reasons that they kept chiropractic on here in the state of Illinois, uh, you know, a couple other states weren't as fortunate, but, uh, we were able to keep people from, you know, some of the biggest reasons they go to the ER, back pain, neck pain, migraines. And, um, so we were able to keep those patients, you know, healthy and keep people healthy or if, you know, new patients that were having those conditions, they could come to a, a chiropractor and, uh, and have those ailments taken care of without the need of going to a hospital where they were really trying to close the hospital down except for the, the treatment and, and, um, you know, testing for, you know, COVID-19. And so it really kind of gave us a, a lot more of a, you know, position to, to take care of a larger population. So I think that that was, that was a good thing. Um, as long as they knew we were open. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's where, you know, the social marketing, all that fun stuff came in. But you know, the, uh, the cool thing was that, uh, we were also able to, you know, get a, get a big platform. You know, we don't have, you know, multi-billion dollar big pharma backing us. And so billboards, you don't see too many billboards with chiropractic on it. But what we do have is, you know, uh, basically feet on the ground. And so a lot of patients, uh, after they've come in, they've seen what we can do that we also talk about what's happening, um, you know, physiologically with their bodies and, you know, chiropractic has a huge influence on, you know, the nervous system as, as we know, but you know, with the COVID thing, the big, the big part was immune system and, what people don't realize, I guess, really put together is it's not just the immune system. It's not an independent system of the body. It's, it's integrated with so many. And the biggest one is the nervous system. So when you look at it, it's, mm -hmm. it's actually the neuroimmune system and to elicit better communication, better adaptation to what your body goes through and what, it, you know, comes in contact with, you know, that ultimately takes place at, uh, at a neural level. 
and and I can get into that more with you know some of the other topics that we we're going to talk about. Um, but even like the bacteria and how bacteria even com- you know communicates with the dendritic level and and that fires into the nervous system and back ultimately to you know different areas to coordinate. Um, are we on like a Th one Th two you know cell or or humoral immediate immunity? So different types of uh, attacks. Um, so your body's pretty resilient, but it, it all depends on that that communication level as far as you know how it's going to you know what what it's coming in contact with, right? And then, uh, so that's that sensory input and then also that motor output as far as how it's going to, you know, combat that. In layman's terms, let me know if I get this right. So chiropractic medicine allows for better communication through the nervous system, which in turn helps with immunity. Absolutely. And and the immune system. Mm -hmm. And that's mainly done by adjustments. Correct. Mechanical adjustments that allow for these pathways to fire properly. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I mean, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, the biggest, the biggest pathway for the nervous system is the spine, right? Correct. So you popping that obviously has an impact <laughs> on something. Right. So, you know, and that's, and that kind of gets back to our, you know, and I, I probably didn't, you know, allude to it too much uh, or talk about it too much, but, um, you know, when we're, when we're ultimately working with a patient, um, you know, it's, it's such a different model from Western-eyed medicine. So we're looking for, you know, functional output, right? Like we talked about earlier. Um, the ability to move, do work, but that, that ultimately gets down to a neural level as far as, you know, your, your input, which is your sensory your output, which is your motor. And, um, and so what happens is, is in a Westernized uh, view, we kind of see it as, you know, what's your symptom, you know? So if you have this, you take this, if you have this, you take this. So we have patients that come in that, uh, that are like, here's my symptom, you know, what bone do you pop? You know, and it's, it's totally different. <laughs> it's right? not quite that easy, right? Yeah. It's not like a, it's not like a magic button. Um, so when we assess, we got to look at those, you know, as far as, you know, when things, you know, when a joint misaligns, which, you know, it's not a dislocation, right? It's, it's called a subluxation or, or, or less light is really what it translates into is, and so there's less energy. There's, you know, you're looking at, um, where do we have basically a blockage in, in the nervous system's ability to send signals. And so if we reduce that, or reduce the amount of communication. It's like playing, you remember telephone, you know, you play telephone in preschool. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, if you miss up that signal, you know, like everybody laughs when it finally comes around and, and they repeat what it was because it was nowhere near what it, right? Yeah. So that's, that's kind of a, kind of a funny um, analogy to um, kind of a dysfunctional uh, unit there of communication. And uh, so when we look at these, these bodies that are again, subluxed, which is a misalignment um, having a kind of neural component to that, you're, uh, you're decreasing the ability of that neural output, um, you know, or input, I guess at that point. And so, uh, so you're not going to have that, that ultimate function as it should be. And so, uh, so that can take place in a lot of different areas that have, you know, they're not even close to the area of necessarily pain and, uh, and you'll see, you know, complete change in that person. Um, in fact, some chiropractors, they, they only adjust the upper neck, um, no matter what you come in with, because every nerve has to pass through that yeah, it point does. of the body, it, right? Yeah, that's so. kind of the, the main interstate, right? Yeah. But like, I, it, <clears throat> that makes sense to me because, you know, I have back pain, but I have back pain sometimes that shoots down my leg, you know? And I right. know the problem's probably in my back. Right. But it hurts in my leg. <laughs> right. So I absolutely know that there's a pathway or something that's not quite connected properly. Mm-hmm. And so what's, what's interesting, and I, it makes sense, I just never really thought of it this way, is that the immune system works with the, the nervous system and the neuroimmune system, you, right. you said, right? 
um, and just making sure that that system's working on, you know, firing on all eight cylinders. Um, absolutely, I can see where that would have an impact on overall immune system function. And, you know, that's one thing that I think that, you know, through this whole COVID-19 um, thing that, and, and this isn't my idea. I listen to a lot of other podcasts and you guys probably have heard the guy who says this all the time and he's had a bunch of people on to talk about it. But, you know, a lot of people are talking about a vaccine. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are talking about, you know, stay at home, social distance, wear the mask. Not a lot of people are talking, at least in the mainstream media that I see about, hey, maybe it's not a good idea for you to drink as much as you're drinking. Maybe it's not a good idea for you to be vaping or smoking, right? Right. Maybe it's not a great idea to eat those fatty foods or those high carbohydrates um, products or, you know, gaining weight while you're sitting at home on the couch eating chips because you can't go to work or whatever, right? And I'm not shaming shaming anyone. We're in a very tough time for America. And let me tell you, I've sat on the couch and ate a few bags of chips, you know, through this pandemic. But the one thing we don't hear is, you know, I don't hear vitamins very often. I don't hear boosting immunity. I don't, I don't hear much of that stuff. Right. I hear a lot of wear your mask and stay away from everyone and everything will be fine. But I think a healthy dose of preventative maintenance in preparation for the, and, and look, I, I, you know, disclaimer here, I know people are dying. I know this is a bad thing, but at the end of the day, 99.9%, don't quote me on that. Cause I don't really know. I'm just an idiot with a microphone, but 99.9% of the people in the world that get the coronavirus or COVID-19 are going to survive. And I think the best way to, to make sure you do is to really start talking about the prevention and boosting the immune system and things like that. So, you know, if I'd have known chiropractic medicine would make me healthier from an immune standpoint, I might already have been over to get my adjustment. That's, that's really cool. And I think that's Mm -hmm. a, that's a good thing to, to tell our listeners that, you know, this is just another, you know, tool in the toolbox of being able to prevent, you know, not only coronavirus. I mean, coronavirus is going to be here for a while. They're going to get a vaccine or whatever they get, and they're going to figure this out. And it'll, you know, some people say after the election, it'll go away. I don't know if I believe that, but um, it (laughs) could. infection, right? (laughs) (laughs) Who knows, right? I mean, I don't want to get too political, but there's definitely people talking about, um, you know, that impact. But, you know, just think about it from a, you know, you know, I'm 39 years old, you know, I want to, I want to take this meat vessel well into my eighties if I can. And what do I need to do to be able to get it there? So it's, it's a short term coronavirus. Yeah. That would prevent some things, but just long term, if maintenance through chiropractic medicine can get me longevity, cause I don't give a shit about living to 80, 90 years old. If I'm in a wheelchair or if I'm on oxygen or any of that stuff, I want to be 80, 90 years old playing nine holes of golf on Saturday morning Amen, and, right? and chasing the kids, the grandkids around, you know, that's what I want to do and playing with my dogs and all that stuff. And, driving fast cars with Dr. John. <laughs> that's right. But, um, so that's cool. I mean, I think, I think that, uh, one of the things that, um, that's a misconception of you guys is you only fix broken joints and bones and or not broken, but damaged and, and misaligned joints and bones. But to hear it on more of a, a holistic approach, mm-hmm. um, is, is cool and unique. Well, it's, it's kind of cool too. It's, it's, it also gives us a, a sounding platform for kind of like you were saying, you know, it's, no, every chiropractor is different, right? So I can't speak for everybody, but you know, in my office, we really don't sell anything. Okay. So we don't have a lot of supplements. We don't have a lot of stuff that people, um, you know, buy it's, it's, they primarily come in for physiotherapy, which is kind of, you know, like physical therapy, uh, chiropractic. And, and we also have massage, um, 
And uh, so, and also, you know, our, our great smiles, right? So <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, so when people come in to do this stuff, it, it does give us a sounding platform, you know, cause like you said, there's a lot of good uh, supplements to be taking, right? Yeah. Um, your vitamin D, you know, your zinc, you know, things that are going to kind of help boost that, uh, especially like antiviral or, you know, your um, TH1 again, mediated immunity. Um, so that stuff is, is things we can guide people, you know, go to vitamin shop, pick this stuff up, make sure you're taking it. Um, because ultimately you can, you can still be doing everything right. Have your body running a hundred percent. You could still get a con, you know, cold, right? Yeah. Um, so you still have to be, you still have to be careful as far as what you're doing, you know, proper sanitation or, you know, just, you know, whatever. I mean, wash your hands after you go to the bathroom, right? Yep. So those kind of things. Um, but, uh, but it's, it's, it's been fun to kind of educate also and also learn because a lot of this is new, right? Um, but we were educating a lot of people on, on a lot of this. And one of the things that, you know, this, the vaccine thing keeps coming up and people are just like, so, you know, what do you think about the vaccine and everything else? And I think ultimately the, the bottom line, um, should be number one, we, we can't focus on a vaccine cause it's not here. So what do we do for the here now? Um, and the thing is, is that the people that are getting injured with this are typically your, your elderly with a lot of comorbidities. So I think it's funny that you haven't heard one thing on the news of, um, let's focus on getting healthier. Let's focus on maybe talking to some of these big companies that put a lot of the preservatives and the, the sugars and everything else in our food that are causing, you know, some of the biggest health problems. I mean, we're, I think we're, you know, we're the number one, um, uh, I guess, you know, we have the highest technology in the world, however you want to say that, right? For, yeah. med- for medicine, um, you know, and so we're, we're the number one in the world with that. But yet we're like, I think it's just, just under, just below 40 as far as the healthiest country in the world. So we're one of the most sick countries in the world. I mean, third world countries are, are healthier than us in many cases. And, um, and a lot of it has to do with our lifestyle, you know, the amount of stress we go through with the workplace, you know, and the foods that we're eating and poor sleep, all these different things. And so there hasn't been one talk about that. And ultimately those comorbidities from, you know, the general American lifestyle has led us to a system that is failing us. And that is, that is something that should be able to take on this. Um, you know, this virus in, in many ways. And, uh, and it, it would have drastically changed the numbers as far as not only who was infected, but the severity. So I think that that's, that's also something big, but you know, the, the vaccine, uh, gosh, it's just, it's just a joke watching some of these, you know, companies try and produce it because it's, uh, you know, there, there was two, I don't know if you saw this, you know, two other companies that just got shut down, um, Monday, it was out on the news that, you know, both of them, most of the candidates, they're in phase three. Most of the candidates got, you know, uh, from both of them had severe adverse reactions. Yeah. Um, one of the companies pulled out and said, we're done. The other company said hey, permanent neurological damage, no big deal. We'll just change a couple of things. We'll stay in phase three and we're just going to put it back out and try it again. It's just like, this is ridiculous. So, yeah, I, I it's very interesting to me that it normally takes years to make a vaccine for anything. And because of this situation we're in as a, as mm-hmm. a country, it seems like everyone's throwing money and, and, and intellect and anything they can at trying to get to a, to a vaccine for, for COVID-19 as, as fast as they can. And I have, I have some mixed emotions about that, right? Like, I don't know that I'm going to go take it. Mm-hmm. If I was, you know, in a, in a different class, if I was older, you know, if I had some preexisting things that made me more susceptible to, you know, dying from COVID-19, I probably would go get it. Um, I never take a flu shot 
but people die of the flu all the time, right? So mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I'm I'm probably not your guy to go get the vaccine, but I think it's good to have an option for people if, in fact, it's a it's a working vaccine. But what I really what really kind of pisses me off though is to sit back and think that there's so many things that we could be throwing our dollars at for the last 20 years mm-hmm. that, you know, if we made it into a big political issue, like, you know, COVID-19 and a, and a, and a threat to life, but a big political issue, a threat to life, a threat to the economy. And I think that's when you start getting people's attention, when you start shutting things down and it starts to hurt the pocketbook, people start to really pay attention. And I, I'll be honest with you, Dr. John, I'm kind of pissed off now that, I'm seeing all these companies like jumping through these hoops and pulling out all the stops to develop these vaccines. And I'm like, well, where was that at when we were trying to figure out how to cure prostate cancer, breast cancer, and all these other things, right? Like we're going on all these walks and, you know, the, the you see the pink ribbons everywhere for breast cancer and, you know, all that stuff is great. And I support all that stuff. But like, where's all the funding that, that this COVID-19 thing's getting now? Why did we not see that same sense of urgency for all these other what I would consider, and I don't know the math and I'm just an idiot, you know, I don't understand why we haven't tried to fix those things in the same way. So I'm kind of jaded, I guess is the right way to say it about the situation of the vaccine right now. When, why haven't we fixed obesity? Why haven't we fixed cancer? Why haven't we fixed, you know, a myriad of other things like, you know, uh, childhood, um, ailments, diabetes. There's a million things we could have been fixing already with all this money that all of a sudden everybody has to, to go after COVID-19. Like, I just feel like the motivation on this may not be in the best place. Well, I think you got a, you got a great, um, I think you got a good point on that. Um, I think one of the biggest issues though, is that, uh, we're always looking for an outside source to, of correction. And, and that's, that's kind of what, what's a little different, like even, even chiropractic, I guess, maybe it's just my philosophy and, you know, what I do and everything else. But, you know, with this vac, you know, with the, uh, sorry, the COVID, you know, uh, virus and everything else, the big, the big thing is, is what medication, you know, what vaccine, what's going to save us from, from this. Um, just like some of the things that you'd mentioned, you know, cancer, obesity, and, you know, unfortunately it's like, you know, cancer seems to just be this elusive thing where we're not totally um, there's a lot of things that we can reduce. I mean, yeah, don't smoke, don't, you know, do a lot of things that, uh, you know, that say cause cancer, you know? Um, but, uh, but at the same time, there's, you know, there's people that, that get cancer that have never smoked that have never, you know, I, I, yeah. Lung cancer. Yeah. I mean, I know people who have relatives who've gotten lung cancer, have never smoked a day in their life. They didn't work in an asbestos factory. They just got lung cancer. Mm-hmm. And they died of it, and it and it really sucks. Yep. And I and in fact, I just lost a patient last week. Uh, she moved around away and just found out uh, through the grapevine that yeah, she died of uh, you know re- return of lung cancer, I believe. And uh, and again, she was you know taking you know crazy supplements. She was eating good and never smoked a you know a cigarette in her life. And yet, this is this is where we're at. So um, the thing is, is that I think that the reduction rate, uh, of cancer, but also the elimination of, of so many other things, kind of like, you know, the obesity and, um, you know, I think type two diabetes. I mean, you look at the prevalence in the United States for a lot of these things. And again, it, it really comes back to our lifestyle. So, you know, when we're looking at a lot of these issues, it's not what pill can I take? What, you know, what surgery can I go through to allow myself to continue an unhealthy lifestyle? I think a lot of it is is getting down to okay if I'm going to eat these foods if this is if I need drinks for the kids for you know for for sports or whatever else 
you know, why are they allowing a lot of these companies to put a lot of this stuff in there that we know causes problems? Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, um, you know, a lot of these, uh, these things, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, picking on aspartame cause that, it always comes up. Oh but, God. You know, <laughs> right. So, but, but let me, let me paint a picture of the studio for you guys and people who know me, <laughs> they know this about me, but <clears throat> so, um, doc, Dr. John's about to tell me how bad aspartame is. And, uh, and, and he's seen me drink at least three diet Pepsis in, right in front of him. Um, and you know, I, I feel like you and my wife might've put together a little, uh, a conspiracy here to get me off the diet sodas. But, uh, you know, not only are you know, we're counteracting it, we're throwing a, a, a savage <laughs> little plug here. We're actually drinking some whiskey acres bourbon as well as, uh, I, I've had a few diet Pepsis and Dr. John is the, uh, consummate professional. He brought his own water and is, is, is drinking water, um, with his, with his bourbon, but I, sorry to derail you. I had to throw a plug in for whiskey acres yeah. bourbon. So it's, it's pretty good stuff, right? There you go. Yeah. DeKalb. DeKalb, Illinois. It's not, DeKalb, so not bad go. at all. Makes, <laughs> makes the conversation flow better. Doesn't there you it? go. It does. It, it may <clears throat> not after a while though, right? Yeah. Well, when the slurring starts, we'll stop recording. Um, <laughs> but go. so let's talk about aspartame. I mean, that to me is, you know, the, it, it's, I know it's bad. And I'm, I, I feel like it might be addictive because I drink this shit. Like I drink <laughs> diet Cokes and diet Pepsi's like they're going out of style. Um, well, how bad is that? Yeah. <laughs> how bad is that? Dr. You know, John? The thing is, is that, you know, this is, this, this is just one more, um, this is one more thing. I mean, in, in a lot of the additives in food, but so when you look at a lot of the artificial sweeteners like aspartame, they actually, uh, they actually operate on the brain as neurotransmitters. Hmm. So when you're taking that, everybody sees it as a sweetener, but what it is, it's, it's a, it's a neurotransmitter telling your brain you're, you're drinking something sweet. And uh, so, and it's extremely cheap. So, um, you know, again, my story is probably, you know, all junked up and you're going to, you know, going to fact check me and I'm going to find out that my research is bad, but no, it's, I uh, don't fact check anything. <laughs> right, so rest, it's like rest I say anything easy. I want, right? Anything you want, man. So, but no, like, you know, back, you know, back in the Reagan days, I guess, you know, aspartame, I mean. When they were doing FDA testing on this thing, it always showed, uh, you know, it, it, I mean, it always caused uh, tumor growth, um, abdominal pains, and migraines. I mean, there wasn't a test that went by. And so I don't even know how it got through and got, you know, but it was, it was about to be thrown out and just junked because it was this extremely cheap sweetener that you were able to make. And yet it never, it never actually, you know, got passed through the FDA for a while. And then Monsanto, you know, and now I'm going to have like <laughs> black trucks pull up to my house, you know? <laughs> but Monsanto bought it and, um, you know, it kind of went, went under, under wraps for a little bit. You didn't hear about it. And then all of a sudden it shows up in like, you know, diet Pepsi, diet Coke and all these things. And it's this ultra cheap sweetener that they can use and use little amounts to make, you know, a lot of things super sweet. And the thing was, because it was a neurotransmitter, now it's extremely addictive. It, it, it literally houses, you know, in the brain, and your brain starts to crave it. Um, and so when people would actually stop drinking it, a lot of times they had like, um, you know, symptoms of almost withdrawal. Yep. Um, which is crazy because then when they go back, maybe have like a Diet Coke or something like months and months later, it was almost disgusting, the yep. taste. Been you there, know? done that. So... So it's kind of wild. So a lot of my my migraine patients, you know, that come in many times, one of the one of the quickest questions I can get to the point is, so you're here for migraines, you know? Yes, chiropractic adjustments can help. Let's let's you know see if there's some stuff going on with the nervous system that can involve headaches. But do you drink a lot of artificial? And you know, there's a lot of them that do, and just getting them off that. That's so again, it's a platform of talking and discussing health as well. 
Yeah. So a couple of anecdotal stories for you. I kicked the Diet Coke habit probably three years ago. And uh, I definitely went through withdrawals. I had migraines for three weeks straight. Felt horrible. Couldn't couldn't stand it, but just pot committed. I'm stopping these diet sodas. Stopped them. Fast forward a few months later, I tried like my first Diet Coke again. And I was a Diet Coke fanatic. I could drink 12 a day easily. Okay. And I can drink 12 a day easily now too. But... So I go back probably six months later and I had like my first Diet Coke and I'm like, oh my God, that tastes horrible. It doesn't taste good at all. And at the time I was drinking tea and water, no soda, you know, beer, bourbon. <laughs> but um, so I landed on Diet Pepsi because Diet Pepsi didn't taste as bad as Diet Coke. And it's so funny. Like I, I, I don't really know when I started back, but I started back and now it's, you know, 10 a day minimum. And I know that's not good for me, but I am legitimately addicted to this stuff. (laughs) And I know, like, I know that at some point I'm going to be, I'm going to get to the point where I'm like, all right, I got to stop this. I need to find two weeks that work really well with my schedule where I'm not super busy or I'm not traveling a lot where I can, I know for sure two or three days of constant migraine through the withdrawal and then I'll, I'll be fine again and I'll do it. You know, I'll be off of it for a couple of years and then I'll, I might cycle back onto it at some point, <laughs> but it is addictive. I don't care what anybody says. It's addictive. I wake up in the morning and I'm like, damn, it would be nice to have a diet Pepsi right now. A nice cold diet Pepsi in the morning. Like right. nobody should be thinking that. No. And, just like, and just I'm like, right on it. Yeah. Just like people getting up in the morning. The first thing they want to do is have a, you know, a long drag off a cigarette, you know, it's exactly you know, the, the nicotinamide receptors on that, I mean, they just, they just go bonkers. Like they, they, it's been a while. I need one. Yeah. So, or right after they eat or right after they right. have sex. I mean, there's, there's, there's all these things where, you know, man, it'd be nice to have a cigarette. Right. right. And when I was younger, I smoked and I, I have definitely have my vices. Um, you can look at me and tell, I, I, I'm not afraid to eat. And so that's kind of my thing. I, I never really got addicted to to the booze. I never really got addicted to the cigarettes. But man, I can eat with the best of them, and I can <laughs> drink those diet cokes like they're going out of style. So, but th- but that's an example of what big pharma, you know. And again, I can hear the helicopters coming. But big pharma, big businesses, big big industries. That's an example of what what they're doing to the society. And I'll maintain that the businessman's best friend in the office is a cold diet Coke. Like that three o'clock in the afternoon lull, you're sitting there, you got to push through a couple, three more hours of work. I can, I can tell you every, all of my colleagues, everyone I know that, you know, especially it seems to be very prevalent in the workaholic community, (laughs) but there's, there's a mini fridge somewhere and they're, it's stocked with diet sodas. I think that was half of their nineties plug was guys in cubicles and business suits dancing around with diet Cokes and diet Pepsi's, right? And it's, it's everywhere. And I have, Kristen has a a family member who's in a, you know, a guy, I think he's an executive at Coke and, um, and it, it absolutely is. It's the, you know, middle management, you know, middle class drink of choice for men who work too many hours. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's for sure it. And, uh, and I see it. I know a bunch of people. I, you can, you can follow people around their offices. You know exactly what their, their vices are. Some people drink a lot of coffee mm-hmm. and I'd say coffee's probably a little bit better until you put Splenda or, or, you know, sweet <laughs> right. low in it. But, um, it's for sure an issue. And, and what's crazy is Dr. John, I know it's an issue. 
I know I should stop it. Right. I just haven't made the decision to yet. And the reason I haven't made the decision to is because the physical withdrawals are legit. Now, I've never had opioid withdrawals, so I know that's probably a lot worse. But the physical withdrawals, it's an addiction and there there is a physical dependency. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Absolutely. And I have it. And I'm, you know, eventually I'll cycle off of it probably, you know, after the new year because everything I start uh, in the new year, right? I'm going to be, yeah. no, everyone's better. <laughs> I'm January gonna lose, first. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to join a gym and I'm going to stop diet Coke all at the same time. Now talk to me in March. I'll be doing all of them again. Um, so piggybacking onto that though, as we talk mm-hmm. about, you know, working too much and the stress and like stress is one thing that, that you, you've talked about a little bit. What is, what is stress's role in the, the health of, of our nation right now has to be one of the most stressful times it's ever. Absolutely insane. In fact, I think, well, now I can't say last month cause we're October 1st. So two months yes. ago, right? <laughs> it's uh flying, but, um, but yeah, so, uh, back, um, in July, the number one Google search I believe was anxiety. Wow. And, uh, you know, that, that should be a red flag. I mean, when we got, uh, depression, anxiety, um, unfortunately suicide rates that, that accompany that, you know, unfortunately, suicide rates in youth, and this is elementary all the way through high school, have now surpassed uh, mortality rates for that same age group because of what's going on with everything. All right. Unpack that for me. So suicide rates in youth have surpassed mortality rates, meaning that the mortality rate for youths is, is higher the- with suicide than it is for COVID. Oh, my gosh. So... The the thing is, so is, more people are dying of suicide in 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 the youth in the youth than Correct. are dying of COVID. Absolutely, and so we're not focusing on the bigger problem. And I think one of the biggest the biggest things that people don't realize is um, kind of what you know when you're when you're looking at a situation that we're all in, right? So we have, you know, in a lot of ways. I mean, for a while there was, you know, if you want to call it quarantine, uh, it's not necessarily too quarantine, but you know, isolation, if you will. Yeah. Um, the problem that we're, that we're not seeing is that even being outside, um, with a mask, um, talking to people with a mask, even if you're six feet away, whatever it is, um, there is, that is still social disengagement and technically social isolation. And I'll kind of clarify that. Um, so human as, 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 you know, as people, we are social creatures. We're dependent on the ability to interact with other people. And, you know, you and I are, you know, we're, you know, we're talking right now and, and, you know, there's always this body language that's going on, you know, uh, all this stuff. Okay. Uh, a great example, you released this huge, uh, hound, uh, earlier that I got to meet. If you guys don't remember from the vet episode, so I have a 125 to 130 pound, depending on when he took his last massive, uh, dump. Um, he's, he's anywhere between 125 and 130. Um, pounds and he's a bull massive and he's just a teddy bear he is a and, uh, just a and john, john got to meet dog. him tonight dr john got to meet him and, and his mini me yeah his mini which me. is my little frenchy French. um CeeLo. so yeah just total contrast it was awesome yeah um, but even even okay even CeeLo, like smaller dog but the thing is is that um I don't know, you, you probably didn't even watch, but this is my first interaction with them um innately so like not even thinking about it uh, my body language towards those dogs is obviously, you know, palms up, you know, it's a, it's, you know, you don't even try, you just kind of talk a little higher, you know, yeah, you just know what softer. To, to, 
you, you almost try to become a chameleon to fit into what's needed there for the situation. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a complete cranial nerve um, driven response that yeah. actually rate that, that, that rolls right into um, basically uh, you know, and, and this is the, this whole vagal thing that we'll probably get into a little bit with the vagus nerve, another cranial nerve, but it's, you're using multiple uh, cranial nerves to, to show number one, that you're not a threat that the, the, the situation that either the dog is coming into, or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm showing them, or I'm coming into their, their world that I'm not threatening in any way. So there's multiple cranial nerves that are actually picking up on that. Anything from auditory to visual to, you know, um, you know, you know, just even facial features. So that's even the seventh and the fifth cranial nerve as far as muscle movements and and all that kind of stuff. So what people don't realize is that when we're, when we're only texting, when we're calling on phones, we are socially disengaged. And we were seeing this well before COVID with the, you know, the technology boom. But one of the, the, the things that we're now seeing is that, uh, when, when we're interacting with, with one another now, um, we've got these masks on and you're blocking, you're blocking half of, half of your face to where, you know, people watch, people are, are so engaged on how eyes now, show what that body language is. And we're trying to get as much interpretation from people's, you know, just eyes versus the whole face. Yeah. And, um, and a lot of that is, is, is my situation safe? Hmm. And that ultimately goes into the vagus nerve and, um, and the, the vagus nerve is, this is a fascinating thing that I kind of jumped into the last uh, year or two. Uh, Dr. Porges does, does a phenomenal job on, on breaking down what's called the polyvagal theory. And, Ultimately, you know, your vagus nerve is a, is a huge portion of your autonomic. Okay. So think of it as your automatic nervous system. Okay. Okay. So you have your, um, you know, like two major parts, uh, which is your, your sympathetic, which is your fight and flight, your fight or flight. And that is your, your stress. That is your, your survival. Right. And then you also have your parasympathetic, which is kind of your, your relaxed, your chill, you know. Um, it's like your dairy queen, your, your grill and chill. Right. Okay. Um, but it's your, your feet, you know, your, your feed and breed it's your, you know, um, uh, rest and digest. And the reason they say those things is because those systems, they're not something that has to take place in a mere second. Right. So digestion, it takes hours. Um, you know, your, 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 you know, the feed and breed. So you got your digestion, your breed or fertility, um, you know, having a baby that takes months, you know, conception, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. a lot of those things are, you know, they, they, they do take a while. And so, um, so a lot of that kind of stuff, those systems, uh, primarily also your immune system, getting back to your neuroimmune system, those are all guided through a balance of the sympathetics, parasympathetics. And when we're in this override of, of sympathetics, what we see is, is that people are stressed out. They have higher blood pressure, higher pulse rate, dilated eyes, um, we're seeing like, uh, you know, they're getting sick all the time. Um, a lot of anxiety, depression, you know, basically the brain's not firing serotonin levels are, are totally off. And that's kind of like your, you know, your keep balanced, your, you know, keep relaxed, you're sleeping well, people are just, you know, not feeling that. And, uh, and a lot of that is just distorted because we're not, um, we're not balanced. And what Dr. Porges was, was kind of getting into with this, a lot of this, and this was fascinating. Um, you know, for a lot of nerds uh, like myself <laughs> is, and me, I'm yeah, enjoying this right? <laughs> is, uh, he actually found like this or, or kind of discussed a third level of this nerve and through a lot of his studies. And this has been over decades is the, the level of social engagement and how that directs, 
um, how your body is actually going to flip into more of a sympathetic, parasympathetic or a balanced state. Um, and so, so with a lot of this, we're, we're seeing, and we're actually checking and, and testing for a lot of this stuff. We use uh, different scanners that, um, you know, in our office, there's a lot of other scanners that, um, basically, basically heart rate variability. So HRV hmm. and that ultimately is the best way to measure a lot of your autonomic stress levels. And uh, so we've been doing this on patients because obviously if they're stressed out, their immune system shut down, they're more susceptible towards, you know, not less, not just COVID, but anything. Yeah. We're coming right? in flu season. Uh, <clears throat> there's, there's, Allergies. there's a lot of things that can affect you other than COVID right now. Absolutely. So we've been able to kind of check and, and, and show people like where they're at as, as far as, okay, this is where you're at. This is what we need to do. Or, Hey, you're sitting great. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, and so that's, that's been a kind of a cool thing, but social engagement overall, um, you know, and I just read another paper on, you know, multiple studies that were kind of pulled into this one paper about how social, uh, distancing or social, um, disengagement, uh, it changes the neurology, it changes hormones, it changes. So not only is, is your brain, um, literally starting to change and, um, into, you know, more of that fight or flight kind of, uh, erratic, uh, but hormones start to change too. Cortisol levels go up. Um, you know, your epinephrine, norepinephrine, all those different centers start to change with, you know, within the, um, uh, you know, the adrenals you have, you know, a lot of the serotonin levels, those, are, those are also changed. Um, you know, a lot of gut issues, you know, understand that the vagus nerve, which is kind of wild, this is kind of cool. So the vagus nerve is like 80% sensory. So when people are like, mm -hmm. okay, so if I'm out of balance, what do I do? And, and the best thing is, yeah, you got to be socially engaged, even for introverts, introverts still want to see their friends. They still want to communicate, right? Yeah. So you have to have that, but you know, the vagus nerve is 80% sensory. So it's, it's primary goal is, is, is taking in input, um, from a lot of the abdominal organs, primarily the gut. So if you're eating, you know, crap food, you know, your diet Pepsi, right? <laughs> All those things. Oh, if we started talking about what I'm eating, what right. I'm drinking is bad enough. What I'm eating is probably worse, but right. go ahead. So <laughs> well, that's a whole, we could do, we could do a whole before and after and a whole like uh, lifestyle flip, uh, promotional thing with, with your, um, with your practice just, just on me. Right. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised sure. you haven't kicked me out yet. So this is <laughs> no, I'm sure I could, no, I don't, it, it doesn't bother me at all, but I'm, I'm sure I could come in and, and, and you could tune me up and I'd probably be before and after on a billboard somewhere, which would be very embarrassing. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if you think everything you're saying makes sense and, um, you know, during this whole pandemic, you know, guys like us who have families and who have, you know, friends and colleagues and get to see people and get there and interact with people, you know, we're probably, um, and, and guys of our vintage, we're mm -hmm. similar age. I'm 39. You're 39. So yeah. So guys of our vintage, we also, you know, we actually know what it is to talk to people on a daily basis right. and not just text them. But, um, so guys like us, we're not impacted as, as much. We're definitely impacted. We're not as packed as much because the people we love, we get to see and talk to and, and interact with. But I'll tell you, man, can you imagine, like, think back to your college days. Can you imagine being in college? You, you, you're not married. You don't have a family that's an immediate family. You're off at college or maybe you're in your apartment and you're social distancing, you're e-learning. You're, all, I mean, I think there's a whole generation of, I think the kids are going to be okay. The youngest kids are going to be okay. And I think the adults who have families and people to interact with who are healthy are going to be okay. But there's a group in the, the, in between and those, you know, those 
right out of college people who are, are single, but they're, you know, they're working, but maybe they're working from home full time. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are people right now, and I, I know some of them, there are people who have still to this day have not left their home. They have food delivered. They live in cities. They have food delivered to them. They work from home. Um, they're, they're working more hours than they've ever worked before because they have nothing else to do. They've watched everything on Netflix. Um, they haven't left the house. They haven't had any interaction with humans. Right. They haven't been able to get to their Tinder dates, whatever they're up to, mm-hmm. right? They can't go socialize and have beers with their buddies or whatever that is. There are people like that out there today. Those are the people who are really having it bad through this. Not not economically, but but emotionally and, and even physically. Those, those people have a hard time dealing with this. And I know a few of them very, very well. I got some buddies in North Carolina who are single dudes who are a little younger than me. And um, I talked to one of them the other day and the guy hasn't been out of the house. Like he legit mm-hmm. goes to the mailbox. Like he's terrified of getting COVID, right? Mm-hmm. He's got some comorbidities and, um, and he doesn't interact with anyone. At some point, I'm going to get a call from that guy and he's, I'm going to have to talk him off the ledge. Right. The guy's going to lose his mind. Absolutely. And, and that's a problem. I mean, it's definitely a problem. So what you're, what you're talking about, this whole social distancing thing. I mean, I, I go to Jill Osco and I can't tell if someone's making a joke about something or if someone's serious about something because they can't read their face. Right. And that, that has a huge impact on people's psyche. And I, so everything you're saying makes a, a ton of sense. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, I don't think we've we've totally seen the repercussions of, of what's going on and how we've handled this. You know, to be honest with you, like you're bringing up some really cool points and I'm just going to kind of jump with this and, and, and run with this. Um, you know, one of the things that we don't necessarily see and, and you know, you're at you're at the same age as I, I am. So um, so I understand that like when 9-11 happened, you you probably knew exactly where you were. You remember that whole thing, right? Yep. Had to take a, uh, had to take an exam that day and I've never been more pissed off at a professor. We, we had, we were, I was in a, um, I can't remember what the class was called, but it was pretty much a electrical engineering class. Okay. And, uh, I remember I can, I saw two planes fly into a building in the uh, student center. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 15 minutes after that happened, I was, um, I was going to take, to take an exam, Are you kidding? One, of the, one of the early exams. <laughs> I, I did, I did okay on the exam, but I had another buddy of mine who was a uh, reservist and he lost his mind. Yeah. Like, you I know, can imagine. I've never heard the word or the name Osama bin Laden. Never before right. that. I never, never even knew this guy had just got back from Bosnia. Mm-hmm. He was a, uh, um, he was working in, in, in Bosnia as a reservist for, for a while and as soon as we watched that video, now we didn't see it live. We saw it a few minutes after it had happened in the okay. student center. And he said, that's got to be, a, this has to be from Osama bin Laden. I'm like, who the hell is that? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you say, I know exactly where I was. I knew exactly what I did that day. I know exactly what I did probably for the, the next three or four days. Yeah. Um, and, and it was, it was chaotic. So it, well, it, it, it's something you're seeing like a huge change of what, you know, and how that affected people. Um, so, you know, studies have, have been done on major population studies have been done since then, you know, and, and there's a bunch of scientists that, you know, when something happens like that, they're like, okay, well, it, this is horrible, but let's see how it affects, you know, humanity in, in its entirety. And what they've seen is, is that epigenetics, okay, the ability to literally change or, or turn on or turn off certain genes, uh, gets influenced by our, our lifestyle or different things that, that happen. So one of the things that they saw was, and this is, this is nuts. So we were talking about this at one of the seminars I was at, was that, um, so 
kids that were their mother was pregnant with those with those kids during 9-11. Um, many of them have, you know, like different health issues. Right. And based on what health issue they had, they were at certain like a specific trimester, a certain point in their pregnancy. And their mother was X amount of connected to what happened. And they that, can literally just say, this is this is where you were. This is what's going on. That is fascinating. So it so just, it affected the mother so much that it actually had an impact on the fetus, on the genetics of of the of the child, <clears throat> and yeah, their future. Wow. So we are seeing, you know, like not only you know with a lot of our lifestyle things going on now, but we're also seeing like you know, I mean, with this pandemic, the stress, the all these different things, they're influencing our genetic makeup, and that's not only going to be seen through you know the the immediate population, but it's going to probably be seen through the next generation. And, um, and so when they talk about a lot of things being, you know, traits being passed down, understand that, you know, our DNA hasn't really changed for thousands of years, but the genetics of what gets turned on or turned off through different major historical events, um, that's actually trackable. And it's, it's, you know, I didn't even know this stuff existed until several years ago. And it's really kind of fascinating to see how, how, you know, you know, Americans or, or different populations change based on different, um, events, major events that took place, you know, for, to that population or, or affected that population. And this is going to be a big one. I mean, this is a worldwide, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of people were affected by it. Everyone's affected by it physically, emotionally, financially. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, like you said, I, you know, I had, I had my real estate agent on who actually, I didn't realize you, you know, um, John Gamble and, um, and we talked about the, the real estate boom right now. But mm -hmm. I, and I don't want to be pessimistic, but I think that we're going to at some point fall into what I think will probably be a long-term um, financial crisis potentially with everything that's going on because, you know, we're borrowing trillions of dollars to to bail out companies and, and people. And, and I'm not saying any of that's wrong, mm -hmm. but you know, we can't live off these low interest rates forever. I think that's what's boosting everything up right now. And I don't want to get too crazy with all this, but it draws a parallel to what you say. But, you know, we're going to have, I think the next five years are going to be very telling from a financial standpoint for, for America and the world. Mm -hmm. um, I think from an emotional standpoint, um, and, and didn't know this until I talked to you today, but now I'm starting to think probably from a physical standpoint, people are right. going to be different. Um, and it's going to have lasting effects. You know, we had, um, a firefighter in here a few episodes ago and he was talking about nine 11 specifically and how <clears throat> pretty soon there will be more people that have died of causes that were related to nine 11, more firefighters. Sorry, let me correct right, that. Right. So more <clears throat> soon there will be more firefighters who have died from nine 11, but not in the actual event from you know, other health things that happen, other things that happen after the fact. But I mean, that's a staggering statistic and this is going to be, it's going to be similar. So, um, and I hate to be a Debbie Downer, but you know, physically, emotionally, financially, you know, and mentally, not emotionally, but mentally, um, I think this is kind of going to be a, a marker in time mm -hmm. and we're all going to look back to similar to nine 11 pre and post COVID, you know, right. well, you know, before 9-11, we didn't have to worry about walking through a metal detector and taking our shoes off and all this stuff to get onto a plane. Right. And some of these things are changing um, <clears throat> similar to that. Like 
I mean, I've traveled to Asia a few times and, you know, masks are very prevalent in Asia. Mm -hmm. Anyone that has anything like a cold is wearing a mask. I don't see that changing for us anytime soon. Right. Um, Hand sanitizer is everywhere. No one ever had hand sanitizer around me. I never used hand sanitizer. Now I use it, you know, 10 times a day. Mm -hmm. Right. And some of this stuff is going to be good for the nation. Right. I mean, and I'll show you later. I mean, Kristen, we've, we, we have a nice gym in the basement. Um, you know, some of these things are good. People are figuring out new ways to, you know, new businesses, new outlets that are creative. I mean, this podcast is a creative outlet for me that if it wasn't for COVID, I wouldn't have time. I wouldn't have, wouldn't have had time to do this and set this up in my, you know, you know, my normal day job you right. know, would have taken precedent over this. And, you know, from working from home and from having a little bit lighter schedule and not traveling, um, it's allowed me to do this. So there's a lot of things that happen, but <clears throat> you know, the physical ramifications of this and the mental, um, you know, ramifications of this, you're right. I mean, we're going to be doing this for the next two or three decades. Yeah. And it's, 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 I mean, I, I don't see an end in sight, you know, as far as like, you know, through our generation, I think that this is going to be something that's, you know, literally going to affect a lot of things. Kind of like you were saying, I mean, 9-11, it's over. A lot of the kids, you know, like young, young kids, you know, you'd say, you know, you know what 9-11 is. Um, and they don't, uh, they, they don't until they get to that point in their history class, which, you know, now it's in history classes and all this stuff. Um, but at the same time, they still go through metal detectors. They still go through like all these different changes that have now been what they see as normal. And, yeah. um, and that wasn't, you know, like you were saying, that's, that's, that wasn't normal when we were their age. Um, it was a lot more laid back. And so a lot of the changes and, and things that we're going to be putting in because of what's going on, you know, number one, unfortunately, I think that, um, it has, it, let's be honest, it's been blown out of proportion. I mean, to, to the, you know, from what it, probably truly is from a lot of the research and everything else to what social media has really pumped it up to be. And, and that's, so that has upplayed a lot of the, a lot of what it is. Now I'm not, I'm not downplaying that. Yes, there, there's been, you know, deaths, there's been people that have, you know, lost loved ones and I, I don't want to do that. Um, but at the same time, you know, a lot of stuff has been, you know, just completely magnified or, or blown up. Um, you know, as far as a lot of the statistics and really what's going on. Yeah. I, I think there's two reasons for that. Mm -hmm. And and again, I'm, I'm not a doctor Um, (laughs) and, uh, and never have played one on, on TV. But what I can say is I, you know, I'm not a doctor, but I can tell you this. Um, first and foremost, no one alive right now has ever dealt with anything like this. Right. So we don't know. We don't know. I mean, we're finding out now what this is, but in the, you know, initially when this came out, there was a lot of fear. And I think a lot of people made decisions and a lot of policy was written based on fear. And mm-hmm. I get that. And I'm cool with that. Um, but I also know that soon after people started kind of figuring things out, it became motivated by other, other things. And the media definitely has a bias against or for certain candidates, depending on which media outlet you watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the presidential race has a big impact in this. I'm not a big fan of our president, but, um, I can tell you there's a lot of people that are kind of gunning for him. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think that, that there's a lot of, a lot of this stuff mixed in with a very complex situation with not a lot of good data to, to look back on and and say, this is what we should do next. And I think everyone honestly was trying to do their best in the beginning. Absolutely. But I also think that because of the monetary benefits to hospitals, the, um, the up in ratings for the media, the, you know, I guess the political 
leaning of certain people, certain media. Um, I think all that is kind of blown, like you said, blown this thing to a place where I don't know that we, any of us really knew we'd end up here, Mm -hmm. but, but we're here now. And I don't know that it's the right place to be. Right. And, you know, I think everyone got into this with good intentions, thinking about this logically. And I think now that we, we, we know more about what it is. I think that things are becoming more apparent to people who are able to step back and look around and say, Whoa, wait a minute. Right. You know, like statistics on young kids Mm -hmm. are fantastic. Right. Young kids are not being impacted by this proportional to let's say older people. Right. Right. So, but we've shut down all the schools. Well, I mean, not all of them, but we shut down a lot of schools and that has a huge effect on these families that depend on two incomes and right. now they have to pay for kids to, to be in some kind of a childcare. And then, you know, I, you know, we're doing great. I, we're still e-learning. We're still hybrid. So we're still going to school two days a week, one week and three days the next week. I'm waiting for the call to say we have, you know, critical mass with uh, infections in the schools and we're going to, everybody's going to go home. And look, we're both fortunate enough that we, we were talking about this earlier. We have, you know, wives and, and, and kids that, you know, will be fine if that happens. But can you imagine being dependent on two incomes and then all of a sudden your kids are going to be home and they're not old enough to be home. And then right. worst case scenario, you know, someone has to stay home and not work. Best case scenario, you have to pay someone to keep your kids, which is a burden. Um, it's a crazy time. It is. And, and I think a lot of it, and I'm, I'm trying not to piss too many people off here. Right. I think a lot of it initially was, was good intentions. And I think now we've gotten to a place where there are some people who have, you know, not the best intentions in mind as, as it relates to putting some of this stuff together. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. And I think it's funny that, uh, I mean, a, a couple, couple notes that I'll, I'll, I'll put on that is, is I was thinking about this the other day is, is so, you know, um, <laughs> the, uh, the whole political thing going on right now, I have to laugh at, at a little bit of it as, as far as, you know, people, you know, yelling directly at, you know, Trump, you know, you know, hindsight, you can always point out faults, right. With anything, right. A hundred percent. So I think with, with Trump, one of the things that, uh, that catches me funny is that, um, number one, it's, it's his advisory team is, you know, like Dr. Fauci and some of these other guys understand, Dr. Fauci was with Dr. was was with uh, Obama. He was with Bush. He was like both sides of the, pol- the political thing. Yeah, he's getting a paycheck no matter who's in office. Uh, plus from big pharma. So, you know, a lot of our best interests. I can honestly say that I'm I'm not totally on board with everything that Dr. Fauci has to say. But um, so a lot of the stuff that that you know that Trump you know because Trump let's be honest it, is he doesn't know virology. He's not a doctor. He's not. Anybody that's in the field, you know, like much of those those politicians, and so you haven't got, asked him, obviously, cabinets, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he thinks he is, but he's obviously right? he's not. So, but a lot of those politicians, it's it's people are just pointing a finger directly at them, and and really all they're doing is they're getting you know uh, information from their advisory cabinets. You know who's who's with them, who's who's giving them information. So, had Hillary Clinton won the election. Um, which uh, I'm, you know, personally, I'm really glad that she did not. Uh, but that's a whole other issue. Is is that that'll um, be a different podcast? That's a different <laughs> podcast, right? So but, we could do uh, that after the election, <laughs> right? But with uh, with with that, I mean, she probably would have had, you know, a lot of the same input to make the same calls that that went down with this, um, you know, with Fauci and, and everybody still still on board. 
Um, so I just kind of, you know, again, not taking side one way or the other is just saying that if you look at it, she probably would have had the same information to make the same, very similar calls. And, and then you would have had a lot of the Trump supporters yelling at her that she did a bad job. hundred yeah, percent. Which would have been the same thing that he did, you know, so. <laughs> the, but, the fringe on both sides is, is, is chaos. You know, this right. is what I know though. I don't know a lot about the topic, but this is what I do know. I do know that I don't want. I don't care if it's Trump. I don't care if it's Biden. I don't care if it's Hillary, Bill, Obama. I don't want anyone that's crazy enough to decide they want to, or ambitious enough to decide they want to be the president, having any say in my physical health. Right. Like, I don't think, like, Dr. Fauci's a doctor. More power to him. That's mm-hmm. great. He can do whatever he wants. He can say whatever he wants. He can do whatever he wants. And I, I would trust his opinion of things mm-hmm. to an extent. But to think that the, you know, these politicians have any knowledge of what's really going on out there is mm-hmm. crazy. And to think as American people, and you know, I, you know, I, I've been on Facebook lately more than I have been in the past. Cause I kind of gave Facebook up a, a few years ago and I'm, you know, to promote the podcast, I'm back on Facebook a little bit more. I've always had a Facebook. I've just never been actively looking at it. And I'll tell you, man, nothing good comes from talking about politics related to this. I, I think we should let politicians figure out budgets and we should let doctors figure out health. Absolutely. And um, anytime we conflate those two groups of people, we're going to end up in a chaotic state and that's where we're at. Mm-hmm. And the, the motives of politicians are not good. If right. they were good, they'd all have term limits. And that's another podcast. Right. But think about it. If, if politicians had p- proper motivation, they would immediately vote in term limits for themselves. The fact that they haven't done that and the fact they're not willing to do that means that their motivations are bad and mm-hmm. they're wrong. I mean, I, that's as simple as I can put it. And that's what I truly believe. Um, but you know, this whole thing, um, has to come to a head. And I think that either, you know, and we'll know by March, April, mm-hmm. how bad things can be. Mm-hmm. You know, we could be sitting here as two, very uneducated people on, on virology, virology. I'm no Fauci, obviously. Um, and that was a whiskey acres inspired slur (laughs) virology, but we're not virologists, right? So we don't know what's going on. Things could get a lot worse over the next six months Mm -hmm. or they could get a lot better. And I don't know that I'm in any position to comment on that. But what I do know is that if you don't take your health seriously, if you don't social distance, if you don't wear your mask, if you don't do all the things that we know help some, I'm not saying they're winning, you know, they're not making huge differences, but they help some. And, you know, you try to be healthier, you try to do the right things, you take the right supplements, you try to boost your immunity. And, you know, if you're, if you have comorbidities, don't leave the house. Right. Um, right. But if you do all that stuff right, there's a really good chance you're going to make it through this. Absolutely. You know, and, uh, you know, just one more other thing I'd like to point out is, is, and we, I've been talking about this with a lot of patients. That's why I want to bring it up with, with you to get a bigger audience, um, is, you know, the, I guess the, the approach that, that everybody's kind of taking towards a lot of what's happening now, social media is blowing up, blowing up, um, the number of cases that have been reported. I mean, that's, that's really what we're hearing primarily right now. Um, you know, so give me, give me a rundown of, I, I don't want to yeah, up no, you there, but I don't know. I, 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 I don't know how real these numbers are. So are these, give me a rundown of what's really going on with the numbers and are they as fake as people say they are? Are they at all close to being real? Um, the numbers 
I feel like are inflated, but what really is the scope of how big this thing is from your perch? Well, and that's that's just it. It's it's hard to grasp this. So, um, you know, they're reporting, um, you know, and I don't know what the exact count is. I, I haven't really looked at the count for the last uh, couple of weeks right now, but um, the amount of people that have that have contracted this virus, um, I mean, there's super high levels of it. Um, but this is this is something that I think we're seeing not necessarily accurate reporting of all the way across the board. Not saying that some people really did get it right because obviously it's it's there for sure. Um, but one of the studies that I just read uh, just yesterday uh, or earlier this week was it was talking about um, the way that they're testing this. So this this rapid test that they're doing um, across the board. When this first happened, you know, like COVID started coming out and, and we were starting to test, you know, people were, they were adamant on making sure that they could find it at the earliest point so that if the smallest little bit, it was detected, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So they had these, uh, these tests cranked up to what, you know, I guess it's, it's, it's cycles of, of how many times it goes through. So, and again, I don't do these lab studies, so I'm probably going to screw this up, but it was set up at like 40, um, which is incredibly high. That's like, it's, it's. Um, so it's, it, it'll pick up, I mean, you know, sneeze across the country. Right. So, I mean, it's just, okay. it's just ex- extremely, so extremely sensitive, sensitive. Okay. extremely sensitive. So, uh, so what they've done is they've done these tests over and over and over again. And, you know, if, if you have any sort of, you know, contact with this, uh, you know, and then four months later you get another test that's still set to this sensitivity, it's still going to ring the alarm as far as an active case. Even though you're not an active case, you had an active case like three or four months ago. Yeah. So it's still picking up um, whether it's a leftover antibody or, or T cell or anything like that. And so, so a lot of this stuff is still is showing up. So a lot of these cases are, are being reported, but they're false positives. So they get retested and now it's still negative and they retest again. It's negative. So yeah, okay, you're, you're negative, but they already reported a positive case of this. So yeah. that goes towards our numbers, right? So do both of those go in the numerator and the denominator? Well, the, the thing is, is that you're not hearing about, you know, how many negatives are being reported. Yeah. So you're only hearing about positives. And, and so a lot of these labs, you know, they, you know, they've been reporting positives, reporting positives. Uh, in fact, there was another lab up in um, Boston that was just shut down. Uh, I think it was called Origin, right? And um, spelled with a three on the E. It was very creative. But... Uh, <laughs> So, Any, so. <laughs> anybody that turns the makes a three into an e i'm yeah, not trusting know, it's like it's toys r us spell the name right that's why they went out of business they right. couldn't get the r straight right it's like get it straight you would have been fine <laughs> <laughs> amazon would never have taken no over amazon you. can't <laughs> mess with you if you can yeah. spell right that's why amazon spelled correctly so uh, but uh but yeah this so this lab um they got shut down because this huge you know uh rate of positive tests you know per test that were given and so they just randomly selected 383, or it was it was right around 400, but uh, but 383 of those around 400 cases were actually false positives. Wow. Um, and so the, the, the sad part about the story continues that they were also the primary contract for 60 nursing homes. Oh gosh. So you look at these nursing homes, and you had you know elderly you know that were in their bed thinking that they're dying when they didn't have this thing. You had people that were, you know, sent home to quarantine that the, the, the nursing home is now paying them to be home 
You're also paying other people to fill their places. So this is costing, you know, millions of dollars. And not to mention, Granny's in the nursing home. She's right. got the COVID. Right. And I can't go see her. And the angst of the family members yep. is insane. I mean, like if I found out that my parents had COVID and I couldn't go, obviously you can't go and interact with them. I mean, there's so much stress associated with that. And, and you don't want that to be the last way you remember your, no. your, your family members, right? No. So it's a, it's a horrible situation. Um, so that was one of the things. And so this, this, this paper, you know, they were talking about how at this point in time, you can easily test for positive numbers to see if somebody has an active case if you crank the sensitivity down to three or sorry to 30. Okay. Okay. So, so 30 cycles and even they were saying between 30 and 35 cycles would eliminate 63% of the positives. So, so take that into account. So, you know, we test a hundred people that all test positive. 63% of those would be negative. Had we cranked up or or cranked cranked down down, the sensitivity. sensitivity of the test. So, so we're getting an exorbitant, and, and I can just uh, testify alone that, you know, I've had multiple uh, patients that have called in to our office. You know, you know, they're not telling me this in person, right? Because we've told people, hey, if yeah, you're symptomatic, if you, yeah, if you test positive, don't, we don't want you coming in, you, you know, do your thing. Because we, you know, we see a lot of people and we want to keep everyone safe. And so, so they'll call me and, and the first thing I do is like, we'll get it retested. And so several of them have been able to retest through their primary or somewhere else. And of course they test negative. And I had, I had three in two weeks ago, all called me, you know, and they all tested within two days of the first test, tested negative, took another one, tested negative. Cause I think it's funny that you have to affirm a negative test twice, but you don't have to affirm a positive test. You just go home. We're, we're, we're watching you. You can't leave your house. Yeah. But that's <clears throat> like, I, like I said before, some of that's related to the fear. Right. And Absolutely. I truly, and I truly believe that I, I know that, it's easy to say they're all just trying to sell Bill Gates vaccine, right? I mean, like <laughs> right. if, if, if all I did was listen to Facebook or Fox news, I'd say the, the, the devil Bill Gates is, um, is trying to sell vaccines and, uh, and the government's trying to, uh, artificially in, you know, up the, the, um, affected rate so that we could sell more vaccines. Right. That's not true. But also looking at this from a, you know, clear headed mind of what we really need to do to fix this. That's not happening either. No. So, and the testing is not where it should be. Um, you know, and the reporting is definitely not where it should be. I've never been less of a fan of all forms of mainstream media than I am right now. This we, we, we have a, a, a health crisis going on right now. And I hope to God, we all remember, we probably will forget, but I hope to God, we all remember all of these news outlets that screwed this thing up and ruined, um, the perception of this. And I hope we'd all don't go right back to watching Fox news and MSNBC and CNN and Chris Cuomo in his basement. All that stuff is so right. It's, they literally are are pulling at our heartstrings and trying to, you know, divide America. And Mm -hmm. I truly believe that. Um, so I got one more thing I want you to talk about, and this is important. Okay. Got me worried. Go ahead. (laughs) So right now we're going into flu season. Right. Okay. And you're a doctor. Okay. What's the number one thing that we can tell our listeners right now that's going to help them be healthy through what is, we've talked about all of it. We've talked about physical, you know, the physical ailments, the physical 
you know, issues related to the flu season, COVID, everything mm-hmm. else. The, you know, we talked about the mental, um, the anxiety issues, the isolation, not being able to use your, um, vagus vagal gland vagal nerve vagal nerve yep vagal gland (laughs) so not being able to use your vagal nerve properly because you can't see people's faces you can't interact with people um the stress of you know financially there are people who aren't paying their mortgages right now and they don't know how they're going to ever do it again Mm -hmm. they don't have jobs so with everything going on right now you know and the you know few hundred people that are listening to this podcast what what advice would you give them like it can be as simple as eat your Wheaties or as complex as go see your, your chiropractor. But like, what would you say, you know, if, if you could take, you know, if everyone listening right now is your patient, what would you tell them as it relates to what they need to look for and, and try to do over the next six months until we're kind of out of this flu season? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and again, it's not super simple because there's multiple systems, but I'll try and make this as, as, as quick and easy as possible. So, Number one, we discussed a little bit about how chiropractic can help you out. And I think that that, you know, and not just coming from me. I mean, this is this is a lot of the research. This is why I do what I do. Um, it really supports, you know, chiropractic does help um, with a lot of that immune function and, and your ability to, you know, fight off a different, you know, a lot of different pathogens. Um, but at the same time, we also want to look at TH1 immunity. When we were looking at flu, um, you know, and again, you don't have to know necessarily what that is, but I'm saying it because I think this would be a great thing for people to even Google. Okay. So TH1 immunity, that is a cell mediated immunity. And, um, what it is, is it primarily is what fights off, you know, viruses and, uh, many bacterial, um, you know, invaders that are coming after your body. And, um, and so when we look at that, that has a lot to do with, you know, you know, the vagal nerve and everything else. Uh, but ultimately, you know, you look at the gut, okay? Your gut is 70% of your immune system, okay? So if if you're not taking care of your gut, you know, that's, that's an epic failure because that's a huge portion of your immune system, obviously, um, also directed by the nervous system. So they, again, multiple systems playing in. So look up, you know, even probiotics, things that uh, that are specific for TH1. And so when you buy a probiotic, you know, make sure that it has the specific strains on there to actually help with a TH1 cell media immunity. Um, you know, we want to make sure that, again, we're boosting up our antiviral. So vitamin D, there was a couple studies that came out actually right before this huge pandemic hit, which was kind of ironic. But, um, you know, they were talking about how vitamin D was three times more effective as an antiviral than anything you can buy on the market. Or wow. any, any medicine. So that's huge, right? Absolutely. Um, and that gets back to, you know, ultimately the biggest tool against, you know, uh, combating, you know, viruses or anything else is uh, is just making sure that your body is is running. Your body is going to be the biggest, uh, you know, thing that's going to affect and keep, keep you running well. So make sure it's running well. It's not based on a medication. Um, I mean, that stuff's there uh, in, in certain conditions to help, but at the same time, you know, your, your vitamin D, your zinc, your, you know, your vitamin C glutathione. Okay. Which is the mother of all antioxidants. So, and then you're going to get that from a lot of different good foods. Um, and then ultimately, you know, if you're eating, you know, very alkaline, uh, non-acidic, uh, foods, your body's going to be functioning at a higher level. Um, you know, that acidic foods, it's, it's a lot of stress on your body. It's going to decrease your, you know, uh, your neural uh, activation, you know, your immune system will be limited, your, um, you know, 
uh, cortisol levels will go up. So a lot of that stuff. So when you say acidic, but, give me a list of ex- acidic so, foods that stay away from. Yeah. Yeah. I think like tomatoes, oranges, but what, yeah. what so, are. So when you're looking at, um, so a lot of the acidic foods, we're looking at uh, a lot of your processed foods. So okay. a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, as far as like naturally occurring, like, you know, the vegetables, those are going to be your nightshades. So you got your, your peppers, your tomatoes. Now those, those are good. They have vitamin C. Again, I'm not saying stay away from them. I'm just saying kind of monitor those. If you're somebody that needs to work on your, your, you know, your body alkalinity, right? Okay. Um, but you know, eating a lot of red meat. Okay. I'm a meat eater. Okay. I'm not, I'm not a vegan and I'm not smashing vegans. Um, by any means, I think those are my favorite pages because they're the most health conscious people about their diet period. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, limiting, you know, some of the red meat, you know, eating more the chicken, more the fish versus the pork, um, you know, that, that makes a big difference. Um, you know, throwing in as many, you know, colors, the rainbow, as far as your vegetables are concerned, cause that's a lot of different amino acids. Um, you know, a lot of your dark leafy greens, those are going to be huge for this stuff. Um, you know, and, and then with your fruits, you, you, you still want to limit some of your fruits. I mean, your fruit, you know, the thing is it's good, but it's still got a lot of sugar, Yeah. you know, and sugar, you know, fructose or the sugar in fruit affects your liver seven times more than glucose. Oh, wow. I didn't so, know that. Which is, you know, like high fructose corn syrup, that's concentrated fructose. So that's 10 times more than fructose, which is so 70 times more than glucose on your liver. So that's a lot of stress, right? For sure. So, so when we're looking at, you know, I guess that overall question we're looking at, you know, you know, you want to really start to eat healthy, um, watch your sugars, your, you know, pro, pro-inflammatories. I mean, we've got Halloween and you wonder why so many people get sick right after Halloween. Your body mm-hmm. can't adapt to the weather changes, the time change. Um, you get amped up on sugar and, and that literally, it doesn't just slow down your immune system. It shuts it off. Wow. So that's why all these kids are missing school come, you know, <laughs> start in November. <laughs> it's just like, wow. you know, whatever. But, uh, <clears throat> But those are those are some of the biggest things you can do is try and get your body running well and drink your water. I mean, it's what we do is is you know we coach that uh, you know drink half your body weight in ounces. So if you're 100 pounds, that's 50 ounces. If you're 200 pounds, it's 100 ounces. You know, so putting it down and uh, and throw a little lemon in there. I know that that sounds acidic, but lemon turns into an alkaline ash, so it's actually very basic when it when it converts in your stomach. So that's good for especially people with acid reflux or anything else is that they're actually squeezing lemon into their into their water, but that, uh, but that actually pulls a lot more of the, you know, those electrolytes and everything else that are going to be in that actually help pull water into the cell. So you actually absorb more versus just going to the bathroom a bunch of times. It's great for teachers or people like me that don't have time to go to the restroom yeah, no during doubt. the day. Right. So, um, so those things are, those are, uh, some of your big things and then sleep. I mean, you gotta get, you gotta get your eight hours. You know, if you're, if you're jumping into, you know, six or, or less, um, you know, side note, something we tell of our patients early on is, is if you're getting, um, four hours of sleep or less in one night, the next day, your body runs as efficient as a type two diabetic. Oh, wow. So it's, it's really important to make sure that you're getting your sleep and that's, that's to bed early, not to bed late. Um, you know, one hour of bed before midnight is going to be worth two hours of after midnight. So that's why, you know, if you go to bed at midnight and get up at eight, yeah, you got your eight hours, but you're not going to be near as good as if you had gone to bed earlier and up earlier. Yeah. Um, that's just the way the brain's wired. Yeah. I always feel better if I go to bed earlier and get up <laughs> earlier. Like if I get up at 5 a.m. and get eight hours versus getting up at 8 a.m. getting eight hours, it's right. a different feel. Absolutely. So I, Absolutely. Ne- I never knew that. That's interesting. Yeah. Kind of cool. It's very cool. So, hey, let's wrap this thing up. Um, you know, Dr. John, 
I really appreciate you coming in. I uh, I want our listeners to hear it. You know, probiotics, vitamin D, um, glucothione, Glu- uh, glutathione, glutathione. So and 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 then um, that just that simple tip of drinking half your body weight in ounces of water mm-hmm. um, and putting a little lemon in there to help out. Um, all those things are great tips. So, man, I appreciate you coming out. Um, we'll, we'll probably, I'll probably bother you to do this again, um, <laughs> as we get further into the flu season and stuff. But I mean, what a wealth of knowledge for the listeners. And, you know, I can't wait to, uh, to come in and, and see you as a patient. So absolutely. Um, thank you so much for coming out. And last, do you want to just give one more plug to the, uh, the practice? Yeah, I, know, no, absolutely. I have some <laughs> listeners who will definitely want to come visit you. Yeah. And I, I appreciate this, Robbie. It's been super fun to be out here. Um, again, so I'm at performance spine and sport. That's here in Geneva next to the Home Depot off Randall Road, uh, 630-208-7810. You can check, check us out online, performancespineandsport.net. Uh, we got a, uh, you know another doctor, Dr. PK, phenomenal. Uh, I, can't, I can't tell you about how great my staff is. Um, so, yeah, we'd love to, love to see people and treat them and, and help them, uh, again, with their functional capacity, you know, perform nice. at the best level possible. That's awesome, man. You're doing good work and um, I appreciate you. I know my wife appreciates you a bunch. So ladies and gentlemen, Dr. John Wren, thanks so much, dude. I appreciate it so much. Thank you.